Hey everyone, it's Garrett. Before I introduce today's episode, I just wanted to give a few updates on the show. First, I'm going to start dropping new episodes on Tuesday rather than Monday, so keep an eye out for that. Also, I wanted to let you know that you can now support the show on Patreon. For just $5 a month, you'll have access to a monthly hang where supporters of the show can get together and talk shop and share ideas, as well as submit topics and questions to be covered in future podcast episodes. Our business tier is $50 a month, and that gets you a monthly one-on-one consultation with me to help with your publishing business. And then, for the choral directors in the audience, we also have a choral superfan tier, where for $25, you have access to the monthly Patreon hang, but you also get a randomly selected choral arrangement from my catalog each month that you can print off and perform with your choir. So, if any of these benefits sound appealing to you, please head over to patreon.com slash sellingsheetmusic to sign up. If you're not quite ready for a Patreon group, but you still want to support the show, the best thing you can do is give us a five-star rating and review in the Apple Podcast app, which will help the show get in front of more people. Today's episode comes to you from Eric Copeland and the Make Music Income podcast, where I was recently featured in a special episode all about sheet music. We had a really fun, detailed, practical conversation that I think gives a really good overview of where things stand right now and how composers and songwriters can turn their sheet music into something meaningful. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Eric Copeland on the Make Music Income podcast. Welcome to the Make Music Income podcast with Stephen Bedall of the Production Music Academy and me, Eric Copeland of Make Music Income. In this podcast, we'll talk about our experiences in music licensing as music artists with online channels, our publishing and royalty incomes, and our combined over 40 years experience as music producers for hire. So let's get started with today's episode. All right, well, welcome everybody. I am here with Garrett Breeze today, and I have his website up so I can read you his bio. And I'll just read right off his site. Garrett Breeze is a composer, arranger, and orchestrator whose credits include film, television, video games, Broadway stars, major classical music artists, and many of the top school music programs in the U.S. With more than 1,000 choral arrangements currently in circulation, he is a sought-after clinician and uh, adjudicator and who has won Worked with hundreds of choirs throughout the United States. He is in demand as a speaker and guest lecturer, and most recently, having presented at conference the ACDA conferences. You're going to have to tell us what that is in Alabama, Indiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Utah, and the Southern region. Uh, he is also the author of Teaching Arranging in the Choral Classroom and host of the podcast. And this is where I found him. Selling Sheet Music. Right after I did a, mu- a video called Selling Sheet Music uh, on my channel, uh, I found so his channel. So the algorithms channel. work. I guess so. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was just looking for some, I, don't, I, I think I found it on podcast, uh, on, on podcast search, not on like um, Google search. Oh, interesting. Search. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Garrett is the man, and I've been listening to his podcast lately and just really enjoying them, especially um, either that or it's possible it came through the Arrange Me email that I get from Arrange Me, um, which is the Hal Leonard company that I work with to put my music out onto Sheet Music Plus and things like that. Well, and, either way, thanks for listening and uh, thanks for the shout out. It's good oh, to be man. here. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we we got lots of questions for you, Garrett. We're, we're really going to get into this a little bit. We're, this channel is fully based on how people can make music income uh, either as their full income or as part of their income. And so uh, I'm very involved with everybody um, on a weekly basis. I do lives, I have a podcast, I do all these things. And so really interested in this side of music income because I think it's a neglected side of music income that most people just don't pay attention to. So without further ado, let's get to the first question which I ask everybody on this channel and everybody knows, how do you make music income? Sure. Well, um, I actually started off um, arranging and um, 
orchestrating and doing kind of the music prep jobs for a couple of composers and then also arranging for uh, my high school in Indianapolis, their, their show choir group. Um, and then that kind of snowballed to the point where I ended up um, the arranging for high schools has become the, the main part of my gig. That's where I make most of my income is, is arranging and uh, composing for, for school ensembles. Um, so if you're not familiar, show choir is basically it's basically marching band for choir kids, you know, drum glee. corps for choir kids. It's glee. Yeah, it's it's what glee was based off of, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, so they there are these schools. It, it's very regional. You know, certain pockets of the country have just tons of it. But, you know, these schools are are putting together 15, 20 minute um, sets of music and they're getting it all custom arranged. Um, they're doing all the licensing. They're doing costumes. They're doing lights. I mean, it's a full on production. So, um yeah, I my 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 income is basically a combination of of arrangements for uh, high schools and then um, sort of odd jobs here and there for composers. You know, uh, as an orchestrator, um, prepping music for recording sessions. I, I live in Nashville, so you know, if somebody's got a string session or a horn session, you know, I'll be involved in getting those parts ready. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk a lot about selling sheet music as sort of the as, as a back-end income, but for a lot of people, it's it's their main job. I mean, the creation mm -hmm. of sheet music is one of those steps, you know, and, and anything that's gonna go in front of live players, you know, you're gonna have to come up with a sheet music somehow. So even mm -hmm. if it's not being commercially distributed, somebody's still gotta make it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and I, I also have, uh, uh, I know you talk about production music on this podcast. So I do have, I do um, make a few production albums a year. I've got some music with with Warner Chapel and Amphibious Zoo and a couple of those libraries, Atomica is another one. So, so I'm familiar with that world as well. Um, that's sort of the side hustle for me though. The main source of income, like I said, it's, it's the arranging, it's the orchestrating. Um, you know, a lot of times people will have songs that they've written and they'll want me to, you know, make it look nice so they can publish it or or you know it's very common that someone will go in the in the studio and they'll just you know make something up and then they'll send it to me to actually write down what they did so yeah mm -hmm. it kind of covers a a wide range of things but um so but you yeah. probably are in the area of friends of mine like robert sterling or david ships i don't know if you know some of these names in yeah, the christian I, yeah. world yep because yeah, know, that's know, that's what's David. going on there. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yep. Cool. Um, so you would say your main and and is music all your income? Do you have any other things? Nope. It's it's all music all the time. I basically spend all day in finale. <laughs> okay. Well. You know. You uh, know. So all all of my you know all of my friends think I have this amazing awesome job. You know, which I do, but I still just sit at my computer all day like everyone else. Is so. slogging through uh, <laughs> finale, or uh, and if you don't know what finale is, like Sibelius or uh, what's the other one, the, new, the newer one, Dorico. You know, those are yeah, Dorico. Dorico. I haven't even used. I tried to use the the demo of that when I was trying to decide on on an engraving program for my mat when I was doing my masters. Uh, I eventually just went with Sibelius, but um, they are all programs to make sheet music, to make uh, to make arrangements of or to make put music on paper. Um, so if you are looking to um, and, and a lot of people watching this channel don't live in this world. So we have to we literally have to explain sheet music sometimes to them. You yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 graphical uh, notation software. So, I mean, you are you're you're selecting how many lines of music you want and you're literally you know clicking the dots onto it or you you know i use a midi keyboard entered in but yeah. or there's keyboard shortcuts but yeah i mean you're going and you're you're you know note by note putting in everything putting in the slurs and the articulations and all the engravings i mean it the old school engraving methods you know they take the big sheets of lead and they scrape it all out and then you know cover it in ink and print you know so this is this is the digital version of that I just spent an evening last night teaching the students that I teach, uh, taking them from Pro Tools and Logic and starting the process of teaching them music theory. And the thing I start with first is the rhythms and uh, whole notes and half notes and quarter notes. And so I have them go in and program in their DAW, and, which is Logic, which for this is Logic, and have them program these in and then look at the score part. And Logic has the ability to show you the score somewhat limitedly. Um, I think they would like you to think you could make sheet music with it, but you can't uh, really. I mean, you can 
approximate it probably. But really, to get into sheet music, you need to uh, you need to have the, the right tools. We'll talk about that a little bit when we get into the production of music here in a minute. So, um, all right. So, I would guess then living in Nashville and writing uh, all these things for um, for sessions, uh, string sessions, choral sessions, all these kind of things. That that probably is the majority of your income. Uh, do you, what part of your income is sheet music uh, these days? Would you say percentage wise, as far as sales uh, on sites and things like that? Yeah, you're talking about the back end. Um, I'd I'd say maybe ten fifteen percent. That being said, you know I'm getting paid to make a lot of this stuff up up front. You know, mm-hmm. I'll get a commission from a choral group to do an arrangement of, you know, Joy to the World or something. And and so I get paid up front to do that. But then I have the sheet music and I can go put it on, you know, my website and arrange me and some of these other things, you know, so you can kind of keep it going on the back end. Um, what I tell people is, is sheet music, um, you know, it's a secondary source of income. It's always going to be secondary to whatever sure. it is the main thing that you do. Um, yeah. You know, if you're a teacher, you know, you can create lessons and assignments that you sell you know and so the main the main thing you do is the teaching but you can have that on the side to sell to other people um if you're a performer you know if you're in a band like obviously touring and recording is your main gig but you can make the the sheet music of your songs and have those for sale and it's an extra source of revenue and it's an extra way to advertise yourself yeah it's it's a little like um like um stock music is for me it's a very very small part of my overall income even though it's 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 non-exclusive stuff i can just put out there and it could sell forever it may only bring me five percent or less of my income per month but it's something and it's always out there and it's always has the possibility of selling so i totally get that and um so sheet music and I love the fact that what you said and if and if anybody watching this is someone who works for clients and they ask you to do arrangements and things like that and they are not exclusive they are not exclusive to them you can then take those arrangements I've talked to other beat makers and people who are working in uh, in licensing and they have they get paid to work for clients and then once those tracks are made for people they're not exclusive he can then turn them around and put them on different sites and things like that. And so it's very similar to this. Um, is the genre or style of sheet music important to sales? Or um, I, I would assume it is. Well, I think it's important in so far as someone is actually going to have the desire to perform it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's certain types of music that you know, for example, weddings, you know, arrangements that work well for a wedding reception, those sell pretty well. Or um, as I mentioned before, like private lessons, you know, if you're learning to play the piano or, you know, if you just if you just want to play at home for your own enjoyment, you know, those kinds of easy piano arrangements sell really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, choral music obviously is a big seller. Um, so it really just depends on on the audience more than the, the type of music, I think. Gotcha. So let's get right into that audience, that market, and how you get to them and things like that. So um, you just talked about who's buying sheet music. So obviously, what would you rank as the highest one? Schools, churches, pianists, or or people, private people? Which one would you rank as the highest of people who are buying the sheet music? Well, I don't have any data to back it up necessarily, but I would I would guess that piano is number one. Um, and, you know, because everybody wants to learn to play piano and, and everybody, you know, can play for their own enjoyment. Um, you know, I would get I would guess vocal, vocal, you know, solo vocal is a close second. Um, that being said, you know, choral music may not sell at the same volume, but when you do make a sale, it's more money because you have, you know, theoretically 10 20 30 40 copies being sold Mm -hmm. um so i mean i guess it does vary in that sense but but yeah i mean what i saw was that you know during the pandemic everyone was stuck at home and what really took off was you know piano vocal guitar because everybody was bored and wanted something to do at home Mm -hmm. you know so i mean there's 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 i guess there's a difference between the amateur and the professional market if you will if you Mm -hmm. will um yeah but you know because you have 
like I said, you have uh, maybe like string quartets or smaller ensembles that'll go and play gigs, you know, corporate mm -hmm. corporate parties and that sort of thing. Um, so there's not one clear answer, but I do think I, I do think smaller ensembles are probably more marketable. You know, it's a lot easier to get a, a, a string trio together than a full orchestra. Or as I've found um, arrangements for irregular uh, ensembles. Um, I just had an arrangement that sold for 50 bucks for uh, marimba, um, I think it was flute, cello, and piano. And it was just, a, it's, a, it's an odd pairing, but it just happened to find a, a group that was, is based in that, that, those voicings. Um, well, it's, you know, it's, it's a numbers game, but also it's oversaturated. You know, yeah. th there are millions of arrangements out there for, you know, big note piano. There's probably not a ton for xylophone and flute, you know? So if you've got mm -hmm. something unique um, for people who play those instruments, um, they're more likely to find it. You know, there is a there is a um, a parallel to the production music side of things. I know your audience does a lot of sync and stock mm -hmm. music and that sort of thing. You know, you have all of the uh, the cut downs and the various stems that you do for your sync music, and mm -hmm. and there's a, there's a parallel there. You know, if you write something for you know solo violin and piano, well, who's to say you can't also sell that as a as a flute and piano or a viola piano mm -hmm. or oboe piano tuba yeah. piano you know all of the different uh instruments and the transpositions and and i found that a lot of the time you know like my viola music sells like hotcakes because nobody ever puts out music for viola you know yeah, they're kind of the, right. the forgotten stepchild you know but um for people who play that instrument like they're always looking so um you got to remember i guess i would i would encourage people to think about what buyers would be using the search engines to look for you know are mm -hmm. if they're going to be looking for their own instrument or they're going to be looking for a particular event or type of arrangement that they could buy and so make sure that you're tailoring towards that and it's important to remember that i would say most of my audience is going to be composers they're not going to be arrangers as much so they are going to be creating original music that they want to sell and many of them are trying to think of what should they be creating? So it, it, to me, when I start looking down this road of sheet music, I think, oh, well, I can I can really stretch out here and make some string quartet stuff. That's not normally something maybe you do for, for licensing type of music. Um, you might be doing a lot of, maybe you do, you have the ability to do that, but you don't. So schools and churches who are looking for original things, I take it that schools are looking for original pieces. Would you say everyone's, high school everyone's bands? Lo everyone's looking for new music, but it's harder to get. It's harder to get original stuff found. Oh, okay. Because if 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 you don't have a reputation as a composer in that world, um, you know all all of they all they see is a, a name that they don't recognize and a title that they don't recognize and so it, it is a, it is harder to get people to listen to original music if you're not already in that area you know like i do a lot of choral work i think at this point a lot of people have heard my name you know if i were to suddenly start writing for i don't know um you know big band music i wouldn't be i wouldn't be a known quantity in the same way and so there may be a little more skepticism there so um that being said, I wouldn't discourage people from trying it, but I would just make sure that what you're doing fits into your overall strategy. You know, mm -hmm. if you can, if if you can, if you can start with something for Pond Five, you know, that you can license there, but you can also take that sheet music and sell it to that's orchestras. You know, why not? I you're think not that's the point. Yeah, I mean, you're not duplicating your work. I mean, it is it is more work to to put it together. You know, to create the notation, but. Um, you're leveraging as many ways to use the music as you can. And and it all kind of feeds each other. The videos will lead people to the sheet music. The sheet mm -hmm. music will lead people to the videos. And it it's kind of this circular thing. I think that's the possibility that I'm trying to get to here with this with this channel um, and, and, and this idea is that sheet music can be another version, another sale for you on top of your either a non-profit sale or probably if, it, if you've signed to an exclusive sync library, they probably would frown on this uh, likely some. Maybe not. Um, again, they're mostly concerned with sync licensing and 
uh, and, and and performance rights. So uh, performance could get sticky. Uh, I mean, if they're if if they're if if it's a if a, if it's a buyout sort of agreement, then that would generally include the sheet music. Although yeah. there's no reason to think you couldn't ask for it, you know. Yeah. Um, but 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 certainly for the non-exclusive things, you know, the audio jungle, the pond five, that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's there's no reason you couldn't do it. And in fact, um, you may be familiar with Pink Zebra. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, he he's I think the king of or or she I guess is the king of audio jungle. Mm -hmm. um, but they're also extremely popular in the choral world That's because awesome. because uh, they've done choral arrangements of those uh, pop songs. You know, and they're just upbeat and positive and happy and fun, and they sell really well with, especially the the middle school choirs. You know, the younger groups. So, you know, you never really know what's going to catch on, I suppose. But you always have to be thinking about um, the purpose of it. You know, like the function. If somebody were going to perform this music, this sheet music, what would it be for? Like, would they do it on a concert? Well, probably not. If it's this sort of aleatoric you know, ambient, like nothing really happened, you know, some of the, you know, those pieces that don't have a clear melody, it's like, well, mm -hmm. you're not going to get, you're not mm -hmm. going to get a middle school orchestra to play something that's just kind of vamping no, and there's no. nothing really, you know, it might work great for sync, you know, for background, but that's not going to be something that people are going to want to put on a concert. So mm -hmm. you always have to be strategic with that side of things. Um, and, you know, and making sure it's accessible, you know, it, when you're working in a DAW, it can be really easy to do things that would not be playable by humans, you know, yeah. uh, and, and or to add just so many layers that you can't possibly, you know, transfer it to, you know, if you've got eight layers of violin I and mean, you want to sell it as a quartet, well, then you've got to start kind of trimming things down. Right. And I think you really have to be thinking ahead of time that you're going to sell this music on on all the places. So, for instance, I just am finishing up a piano hymns um, album and all of those are great for for sheet music all, they're solo piano so they're 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 simplistic I'm not a, a, a virtuoso player so for me it, it's already it's already beginner uh, piano sounds uh, because it's it's somewhat um, sounds weird for piano hymns but somewhat new age in, in its feel in its uh, in its arrangement you know kind of uh, yeah. I wouldn't say super beginner uh, beginner to intermediate, and uh, I have an arrangement of sa uh, Savior like a shepherd lead us that just continues to to sell almost weekly. And so I'm trying to get all of these hymns that I've done recently, and by the way, that are all out on uh, on many uh, non-exclusive libraries and making me income there as well. So I think if you're thinking, oh, I'll make a piano arrangement, then I'll send it over to libraries and but i'll also send it out as uh, sheet music and upload it that way or if you're creating uh court, string quartet music string quartet music is needed on on audio libraries as well as needed uh in in there but you're right i think in order for a school direct band director to find it um and and let's we can we can move to that. Where do they go? Let's talk about a, a school band director or a choral director at a church or a school. Where do they go to find this sheet music? Well, school ensembles and, and church ensembles, choral ensembles, they all have very established markets and very established publishing industries. So there are, you know, Hal Leonard and Alfred and and Beckenhorst and, and just a ton of different publishers that really serve exclusively that market. And so there is um, a standard repertoire. There's kind of established vendors that people go to time and time again. And so... Um, you know there are there are composers and arrangers who who write for these publishing companies that that's their that's their primary source of income that's their primary job is to be mm -hmm. you know maybe an editor for one of these publishers or an in-house guy you know and every every calendar year you know every school year they're putting out their 10 new charts and all of the schools go by it you know because that's their brand they've got the name recognition they've got that established connection so um and most of the time, at least for schools, it's still like physical print. You know, they're still or ordering physical copies from these dealers. Um, so, I mean, your chances of getting in with that crowd is 
with the publishers, I should say, is is slim to none. But that's not to say that um, if you marketed yourself, you couldn't also, um, you know, get yourself a, a corner of that market. Because um, there are, for example, J.W. Pepper, that's like the main source that schools go to buy their music. And, and they have a similar program to Arrange Me where you can sell things on their site. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it just gets thrown in with everything else. And if you're a church choir looking for an, a, new, a new arrangement of, you know, near my God to thee, you don't really care who put it out as long mm -hmm. as, as you like it, you know? Yeah. So if, if you can get the music, I guess what I'm saying is if you can get the music in front of the people, there's no reason why they wouldn't buy it. But there is definitely an established, um, you know, presence. There's, there's a relationship between certain publishers and schools. And a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, how Leonard will send out their catalog of here's, you know, here's what we've got this season. And a lot of people just pick from that, you know, um, so that's a little bit of a different animal, I would say, for for the smaller ensemble stuff, for for solos and piano and and quartets and that sort of thing. It's not quite as locked in, but again, um, it depends on. I don't want to say it's a generational thing, but you know, a lot of that has gone more digital. You know, mm -hmm. you'll see a lot more. Um, you'll see a lot more iPads being used by you know piano players and string quartets and those smaller groups than you would in the large orchestras there are some sure. who do it but for the most part you know they're still in the physical prints i don't know if that answers your question well let's talk uh, definitely let's let's just talk definitively about who you can go to first of all i i'm with arrangeme.com right now which is a hal leonard company let's let's start there that's that's the first one um that so yeah, so what, what we're talking of, of uh, sheet music, but it kind of is as far as I can tell. Well, what we're talking about is self-publishing. So how do you get the sheet music yeah. out there on your own? You yes. can always submit your music to publishers. Um, some of them take unsolicited, uh, you know, uh, uh, requests. Some don't, you know, so that's just kind of a crapshoot. But um, the first source is your own website because yeah. you can you you can get something like um you know, a, a WordPress or a Wix or uh, mm -hmm. set up WooCommerce and just sell the PDF downloads yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your YouTube videos linked to that and you can sort of establish your own market that way. Um, but in terms of like third party distributors, the main ones are Arrange Me, which is um, a program run by Hal Leonard, who is the largest print uh, publisher in the country. Um, they have a great big list of popular titles that are pre-cleared, um, meaning that you don't have to do any extra licensing. You just select it from the list, mm -hmm. you upload your arrangement, and it goes for sale on uh, sheetmusicplus.com and sheetmusicdirect.com. Mm -hmm. So that's a little confusing because you put it, you know, Arrange Me is the portal to get the music sure. out there, but Arrange Me is not where people go to buy the music. So that and, gets and that's a little... only come up in the past year. It used to be you went directly to Sheet Music Plus or whoever. That's what I was doing. Right. So it, it, it the, the backstory is that uh, Sheet Music Plus started something known as SMP Press. And that and back in the day, that was just original compositions and arrangements of public domain yes. um, songs. And you can still do that on Arrange Me. Um, but then they gradually sort of added some copyrighted titles. And then Hal Leonard bought them out, basically. And they rebranded it as Arrange Me because Sheet Music Direct is, is, the, one, is the website owned by Hal Leonard. So yeah. now they have both. And so your titles hit both. And that's a really great thing. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you can do originals and... Uh, you know, public domain arrangements as well. Um, so the royalty structure, you know, if, you, if you're if you selling an original, you get 50% of the sale. If you're selling a copyrighted title, you get 10% of the sale. Okay. Um, JW Pepper has a program called MyScore, and that is a similar thing. You upload your titles and um, it gets published on the JW Pepper website. Um, the main difference there is they only do originals and public domain um, works. Um, but the difference is that they also offer print on demand. So when a customer yeah. is going to JW Pepper and they're they're looking for a piece, they can they have the option of of getting the digital download that they can print themselves, or they can actually order Pepper to print it and ship it to them. So that's a great option, you know, if you have somebody needing that print distribution. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third main option is Music Notes. Um, right. They have something called uh, Music Notes Marketplace. It's it's similar to the Arrange Me 
um, program. I mean, the, the, the royalty structure is the same. They have a, a different set of songs available and, you know, music notes has a, has a different way of marketing. Um, they're, they're a lot, they have a more established presence on YouTube. Um, and they have a lot of what they call signature artists. You know, you can be, you can be a signature artist with music notes. Like if you have, if you have a, a YouTube channel, particularly where you're performing arrangements and you're performing songs, um, you can you can get yourself set up as a signature artist and be part of that program, um, which is a really great thing. So, I mean, th there are smaller there are smaller sort of boutique um, websites that are acting as you know distributors for composers in certain niche genres, but but in terms of you know, the bang for your buck and the widest distribution, you know. So those are be... the Pond5 and Audio Jungle of of selling your own sheet music, self-publishing pretty much, right? Yeah, I think, I think, and I think that's a fair comparison because um, it's, it's a non-exclusive agreement. You know, you can sell, if you write an original piece, you can sell it on all three of those and your mm -hmm. own personal website mm -hmm. and there's no, and there's no problem. Yeah, or an original arrangement of a public domain song or in some cases on Music Notes and Arrange Me, um, you can you can also do a list of of what they of certain kinds of covers and things like that. So see, I, I this is the kind of thing that I'm trying to get people to understand is that they can make these arrangements. Go in thinking I'm going to have many uses for this, not just one use, but maybe if you think about sheet music first and then say, okay, whatever I'm going to make for sheet music, I'm also going to make a recording that I can put on libraries and also a recording that I can put out to my Spotify and all that kind of stuff. You've got to think in multiple income streams and, and especially if you are a, a self-produced person or an artist or whatever you are whatever you think of yourself first composer producer or artist all of these are open to you and that's kind of the point i'm trying to get across and so good to know and i'll put the links in the description below of all those stores and i'm in I'm in all three of them, or not in two of them. The the drawback that the only drawback I can see with Pepper is the hundred dollars or ninety nine dollar upfront fee that you have to pay to get uh, on that site versus the other ones you can pretty much just join for free. So um, I don't know if you know about that, but that's just something I saw after I checked out Pepper after your interview. Um, yeah, well, yeah, they. they um... I guess I guess that's the part I left out. I, I believe Music Notes Marketplace has a subscription. Uh, well, I think there's a free tier and a paid tier, depending on how much music you want to put out. Uh, yeah. Pepper has a, a ninety-nine dollar um, just setup fee, and that but it but it's a one-time, it's a one-off. It's not like a recurring thing. Um, what I would say is, if you are trying to sell to schools or churches, then you have to do Pepper because yeah, that's the gotcha. main place they go to. I, and I should have mentioned this before, you know, Pepper is not a publisher, they're a distributor. So if you go on Pepper's website, they will have stuff from Hal Leonard, they'll have stuff from everybody, you know, all different publishers. It's it's a sort of a, I guess, an aggregator of, of content that's marketed towards schools and churches. But again, okay. you know, if, if, if that's not, if that's not really your thing, then maybe you don't need it. Yeah. you know but yeah. um but it but if if you're if you're trying to sell to schools or churches and if you're if you're selling to people that you think would want the option of having something printed and shipped to them then you got to get over the the $99 thing you know is yeah. my opinion. well it's a, it's a one time fee and uh one time fee right or is it yearly that's a one time fee yeah yeah so uh and and there are libraries we pay to get into sometimes or do some it may not be a monetary pay, but we have to do things to get in that library. I guess. I guess. I guess. The th while we're while we're talking about it, I mean, you, uh, all of these sites—they're just the way for you to get the music out there. They're not going to do any marketing for right. you. They're not going to push your products for right. you. It's just. Uh, it's just a virtual storefront that happens to have millions and millions and millions of users, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, like you said, if, if, if you're writing a, an arrangement of a popular hymn tune, you know, someone, chances are somebody's going to be looking for that. They might come across it, yeah. but back to the point about original music, no one's going to go on there searching for, you know, that because they don't know that it exists. And so it's up to you to steer people towards those. Right. Um, but they may you know, go and, on looking for a, a, a song with certain instruments in it. Um, right. And... So they'll look for specific instruments or maybe they'll look for categories of music like acapella or maybe mm -hmm. they'll look for trio or maybe, you know, there are some labels. String quartet. You know, 
Christmas, um, Easter. Yes, you know, absolutely. so it, holidays. The but I will. But the difference is, you know, when you when you're selling sync music, uh, you kind of the the metadata categorizes it by you know mood and tempo yeah. and 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 that sort of thing, which you don't really see as much on the sheet music side. Gotcha. So cool. Yes, that's to me. That is uh, is is where we can look at this as a parallel towards putting it out to libraries or putting it out to Spotify. People have to discover it or putting it out to YouTube. People have to be able to search for it and find it. And why would they search for it? Because it's Christmas. They will search for it because it's Easter. They would search for it. I, I do a lot of holiday music in, in stock. And also, um, I have Christmas songs in exclusive libraries that have that have been used for TV and things like that. So, I, I, I yeah, seasonal stuff cannot be understated here um, or overstated enough uh, really when you're creating stuff. Now, a lot of people aren't interested in that. And some of those people who are only creating up-tempo pop rock type things may not, this may, this whole thing may not fit. But if you are a more seasoned composer or wider range of ability, I think this is a way that you can start and think sheet music first and then take uh, the, the the sheet music recording and sell that to your your libraries and put that on your Spotify and put it on your website and all those things and you have all of these streams and that's what kind of I'm trying to push. All right, so that's that to me is the easy part of this whole equation <laughs> is getting it on to sheet music sites or or you know coming up with it and making it uh, actually the making of it is what I want to talk about the producing of it for someone like yourself or even myself I, um, it's not that I can't do it I just don't want to do it because it's grudge work it's uh, what my uh, com music composer uh, in my master's uh, my composing professor told me he called it beer work um, when you when you have to go in and you've put the initial input in and now you have to go through and really do all the get it looking just right and per, and right for players can a flute player where's the flute player going to take a breath uh you know where do the the legato markings go and all that kind of stuff which is just it's tedious it's time consuming you'd spend a lot of time in that room doing that all day long um so let's talk a little bit about how to make sheet music because i know a lot of people might want to get into this and they need to know what the tools they need to have and the time they need to expect it's going to take. Yeah. Well, so we alluded to this before, but there are uh, several uh, notation uh, programs out there, notation software. Um, Finale, Sibelius, and Dorico are the three, um, for lack of a better term, professional level, you know, industry standard programs. I mean, they're your... They're, well, in fact, I mean, Sibelius is owned by Avid, Dorico's owned by Steinberg, you know, so those are kind of the equivalents to the Pro Tools, you know, mm -hmm. Pro Tools, Cubase. Um, Finale does not have an associated um, DAW, but they were the, they were kind of the original, you know, so they're one of the established ones. But um, there are other options out there. MuseScore is one that a lot of people use. Um, because it's free and it's also web-based, you know, so you can use it on your computer, but you can also just have use it online. Um, and and there are a lot of improvements coming to that. So mm -hmm. I I mean I would include that in the conversation. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're somebody that's really serious about it, you, you should look at one of the one of the big three. Um, I found with MuseScore, eventually I ran out of the options I needed to please my uh, professor. <laughs> In other words, yeah, and a lot of it, and a lot of it is just how things are preset. You know, you can get MuseScore to do what you need it to do, but um, it doesn't come out of the box in the same way that it does with the others. Um, Finale and Sibelius. I mean, that's kind of a Mac PC thing, to be honest. It's just about, at least that's how I look at it. You have some people that swear by one or the other, but they, you know, they're they're both doing mm -hmm. the same thing. It's, it's more really of, like a doll, whichever one you get used to first, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's more about your workflow and how you're, you know, and, and the learning curve. Uh, my general sense is that like Finale has the most options out of all of them, but that's also what makes it the hardest to pick up because you can literally do anything. You know, it's also designed for, you know, kind of the the classical, you know, avant-garde graphic notation and the kind of the more out there stuff that you wouldn't necessarily 
probably need for what we're talking about here. Um, Dorico is doing some really interesting things. They've only been out uh, maybe three, four years at this point, um, but but they have a lot of features um, associated with just like playback. They've kind of separated the playback functions from the notation functions, um, meaning you can edit meaning you can edit things in the playback and it doesn't affect the notation. Whereas in Finale, like if you change one, it always changes the other. Um, that's that's kind of a that's kind of neither here nor there. But um, all three of these programs have um, have some sort of trial period where you can download them, you can use them. I think it's probably thirty days, might be might be sixty. But you know, you can just download them and see if see if it works for you, see if you like it. Um, Sibelius has a subscription model. Um, Finale has Finale is just a flat fee. Um, I can't remember if Dorico subscription or not, but um, Dorico and Sibelius also have iPad uh, equivalents mm -hmm. um, of the software. So if you're an iPad person, you know that might that might uh, persuade you one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking, and there's about another one, uh, Notion. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's a it's a lesser known one, but it also has a really nice iPad. Um, thing. It's, I found it great to start things on while I'm sitting in front of TV, and I just want to start messing or start or just do some editing. But well, and then there's StaffPad. Is that what you're thinking of? Mm, this one's StaffPad. Called, this if, was if, called Notion. I'm not sure. If, what if you're a pencil called. and paper person, if you're a pencil and paper person, then StaffPad is really cool um, because it, it it's only for iPad, but it lets you use the um, you use your Apple Pencil to just draw in the notation. And then once you finish the bar, it kind of snaps into place into that sort of engraved look. Um, yeah, Notion is by Personas. That's and, right, yep. Um, and I've, I, I don't know, I haven't used it on the computer, but I've used it as a scratch pad on my iPad to, to kind of develop some things when I was trying to start arrangements or whatever. So yeah. Well, what, I, you, I, what you need to sell your end product is it's what you need is a um, a high definition PDF file. Mm -hmm. So, at the end of the day, as long as you can get a clean looking PDF, that's all you need for the yeah. distribution side of things. Now, how you get there is what we're talking about, and your right. preferences, and 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 you know, if you're a tablet guy, that might makes that might push you one way or the other. But yeah, the end result is that you take this file and then you export it as a PDF, and then that's the file that you upload to the various sites. So you're, th there are specific file types associated with each of these, um, but that's not the end product. That's not what you're putting out there. It's the PDF file. Right. Um, I should <clears throat> also make a, um, I should also just say that everybody needs to know that these are not like dolls. You cannot just play in the, the arrangement um, well, you can play in MIDI to them, but they don't record in exactly the same way a DAW works. Um, they they allow input through MIDI, but they it's not the same as just playing it down and then going back and editing with you know playing to the metronome. And, and to some extent, it, it it is. But explain that a little bit. Well, what you're talking about is. Um notation software at, and and probably I'll just slip up and start saying finale because that's what I use but but it, it chances are it will apply to all of them but it's very literal with the input yes. so if you're playing something in um, to a metronome if you are you know a 32nd of a note off it will notate it as a 32nd ahead of the beat in other mm -hmm. words um, it's not what you want with finished music is for everything to be hard quantized you know, right mm -hmm. on the grid, mm -hmm. exactly, you know, note on, note off, exactly where mm -hmm. you want it to be. Um, so if you're the kind of person that's creating in a DAW, if you're creating in Logic or Pro Tools, um, what I would suggest is, you know, finish your composition, and then I'd maybe just do a separate session. I just do a save as, you know, so you don't screw anything up. And I would just hard quantize everything right on the grid. Mm -hmm. And then I would export that MIDI file and drop that into um, finale because you and, can import MIDI files and, and it'll you, create a separate staff for each instrument that you have in your DAW. Yeah. And then from there, um, I would copy and paste it into your template. You know, the, the, the thing that's the most time consuming about creating sheet music is, is all of the non-musical stuff. It's, it's the spacing and it's, you know, how big are your staff sizes and how big is the text and, you know, putting the, 
the margins where they need to be and all that sort of stuff. So if you build a, you know, if you build a, this is my piano template and this is what all of my published piano pieces are going to look like, you know, you can sort of preset a lot of that stuff and then just drop the music onto it. Right. And uh, what, what DAW do you use? Um, I'm uh, primarily Pro Tools, but Pro I, Tools. I do, I do fiddle around with Logic occasionally. In Logic, um, another right after you quantize, the second thing you should do is there's a there's a way to get it to put it to the full length of the note. In other words, to stretch it out from if you're making a whole note to make sure that whole note goes from one to to, to the two, you know, to the exact yes. to the full thing. And I can't remember. I was just in it last night showing students how to do this, but uh, it, it stretches the notes out. So a quarter note is a quarter note, uh, an eighth note is an eighth note and so on. So that, um, it doesn't get confused when you try to bring it into no, uh, into finale or into Sibelius and say, Oh, this is an eighth note. And you said, no, that's a quarter note. Well, and you can fix all that once you're in finale, but it just that's saves true. you time to have it, to have it quantized and advanced. Yeah. Um, and then, so, um, a lot of, from there, a lot of what you need to do is is instrument specific, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's a if it's a piano part, well, you've got to make sure that you have the notes you want played by the left hand in the lower staff, and the mm -hmm. notes you want played by the right hand in the upper staff. Um, you know, Finale will just sort of decide for you if it gets mm -hmm. MIDI, mm -hmm. but that may not be necessarily how you want it played in. Right. Um, you'll need to go in and add your dynamics. Um, you know, articulations, slurs, staccatos, accents, those kinds of things. Oh, like you said, the important thing is to quantize, not just note in, but note out, I think is, is the thing. I don't know if there's a way for you to do that in Pro Tools. Do you, do you quantize the note out or do you just fix it in Finale? Well, you can have it go to whatever the nearest um, beat is. So it depends on how you, it depends on when you're doing your quantizing, it depends on if you have it set to, you know, the 16th note or the eighth note or, or the whole, you know, half note or whatever. So it just depends on how you set it up before you do it um, because it will snap to whatever grid you set, you know? So if you know there's nothing faster than an eighth note in this piece, you can set the grid to eighth notes and that'll get you, you know, 80% of the way there. Unless you just didn't hold the note long enough and then it only recognize that even though you're on the grid, it doesn't know where your end of the note is. So it thinks an eighth note is a 16th note because you played it pretty quick. You know what I'm That's talking right. about? Yeah, if you're, yeah, I mean, if you're using the sustain pedal, that can make the MIDI yes. look different than what yeah. it's going to look in um, the printed form. And that's another thing but, you might want to be putting into sheet music is, is, is certain kinds of sustain markings. And well, what like you that. need to do, what you need to do is just look at examples of the music you're trying to publish, you know, because we could talk all day about the specifics of this or that. But, you know, if you're publishing choral music, go look at some printed choral music and see what they're doing. If you're publishing, you know, solo instrumental stuff, like look at what's out there. And, you know, you're, you're, you're going to find that there's subtle differences between all of them, but you're going to see some things that are consistent across the board. And you can mm -hmm. kind of just pick and choose what you like. Um, you know, for me, I've found that structuring my day, um, front loading the creative stuff, you know, the, the, during the day is when I'm writing new material and I'm brainstorming and I'm writing and I'm doing all that kind of stuff. After the kids go to bed, that's when I do the boring stuff. I put on Netflix and I do all, you know, I the do all my work. part clean up, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. You know, cause <laughs> if you're like me, by the time you finished a, a piece, you're so familiar with it inside and out. Yeah. You know, if you're not making any creative decisions, if all you have to do is make it look good, you know, in, in the printed version, well, I can, I can, you know, watch a show and do that at the same time and just kind of run on autopilot, you know, cause I know, I know what it's supposed to be. Now it's a little different if you're having to adapt it, you know, or make changes to it or that sort of thing. But if it's just like making sure there's no collisions, making sure that, um, you know, the, the note durations are accurate and that sort of thing. Well, that's, that's easy enough to do kind of in the middle of the night when you're brain dead. Do you need to make or s do you need to make and sell hard copy of your music? If you are, let's say someone is pretty serious about this, like myself, who really would like to get hundreds of pieces of, of music out of different kinds of things. And um, or do you just say, I'm going to have Pepper do that or someplace like that? Or I mean, what do you what do you do in that case? On I, don't, your side? I don't I don't handle any physical product at all. Um, I, I think, I mean, I think that's where, 
I think that's where the world is going, you know, except for the large ensembles. I mean, it's a little different if you're if you're a choir of 100 people, cool. you may not you may not want to print it all out yourself, you know, and so the convenience factor is enough to want you to order the printed copies or but, a large band or orchestra maybe. Yeah, I mean, those large ensembles, I think I I think they're I mean, I pretty much think they're going to stick with printed music for forever, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't see I don't see I mean this won't age well probably but you know i just don't see a future where every you know high school orchestra student has their own ipad that they can use in class yeah. every day all the time yeah. you know it yeah. just i don't know i don't know that we're there maybe so. in certain schools but i think the <laughs> just getting done with a classical music masters <clears throat> a classical music masters degree at a you know a major um, division one school they still are very set in their ways as far as the music. I mean, I could turn in a PDF, but I also had to turn in a hard copy for every assignment. And this is in 2021. This is not, uh, you know, 10 years ago. This is um, this is the way of classical world of the classical world. So they are going to stick to those old ways as long as they can. I think. Well, and if you're somebody that's doing um, in-person events. You know, if you're going and performing a recital or if you're going and lecturing or teaching or doing something where you're physically present, you know, and you've got a merch table, you know, if you're a band playing a show and you've got a table with T-shirts on it, like maybe you should also have some printed copies of sheet music there to sell. Um, but if you're not going to be there in person, I really don't see the need for you to have physical product. Okay. And if you do and you think that's important, there is J.W. Pepper that you could put your stuff up on and have them and point to theirs, a place where people could go buy the engraved yeah. part. If, if somebody emails you and says, I love this piece, but I just can't deal with a PDF. Well, you know, you can send them to Pepper, but yeah. I don't think you're gonna encounter a lot of that. <laughs> okay. Um, so here's the problem for a lot of people watching this. What if they can't, or in my case, don't want to take the time to sit there and make sheet music that may only sell once a month, a piece of sheet music, or if that, you know, they have no idea. It's like, yeah, I'll take the time, the two or three hours to make a piece of music for Pond 5, but uh, do I take two or three hours to make a piece of sheet music? And what if I don't want to or can't? What do I do? <laughs> well, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to do it if it's something that if you have no, to no, be no. convinced. <laughs> How do they get sheet music made is my question. Not not oh, I see. you know, if they decide to hire this out, what's what's the next phase and what's the cheapest way? I know my answer, but let me hear yours. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, I, I guess that's a good point. There are people out there who will do the prep work for you. Um and I don't know that there's standard rates for that necessarily. I think most people just kind of go off an hourly thing because it mm -hmm. depends on what you've written and how complicated it is, you know? But I would expect, you know, anywhere between 50 and 100 bucks an hour for somebody who, who knows what they're doing, you know, to prepare your music for you. Um, you know, and maybe maybe you have an assistant who uses notation software and you can, you know, get them to do it. Or you, or you could, the other thing you could do is you could partner with somebody who is mm -hmm. a, a sheet music guru. You know, if you're going to write some mm -hmm. stuff together, you know, maybe you handle the recorded side and the DAW and the production and they handle the, the physical print, you know, the sheet music and the look of everything. Cool. So I mean, good, you yeah. could work out some kind of a partnership that way, you know, or bartering, you know, if you're a if you're a string player, you know, you could play violin on somebody's recordings in exchange for them making the sheet music. I mean, I, I think I think at a certain point you have to start specializing and just focusing on what you do best. You know, like I don't ever mix anything because I just don't have the time and I don't want to, and I'm not very good at it, you know? <laughs> so like, I'll, you know, I've got people that I send stuff to, to mix mm -hmm. and you know, like that's an important part of the process. You can't just ignore it, but I just don't want to do it. You know, that's kind of my answer. I have a guy, you know, uh, he came along a few years ago. As a matter of fact, I found him on, and this is the other answer. I found him on Upwork, which is kind of like a, 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 mm. a Fiverr uh, type of site where there are people sitting around all day, all around the world saying, I will make this for you for $5 or $10 or $25 or $50. And so uh, I found a guy because I was I had a, a, a client at the time that required every song to have a lead sheet. And I didn't want making lead sheets is just tedious for me. And I didn't want to I was already in the middle of a, uh, a master's in music coming up with all my compositions that were 
incredibly complicated and, and, and hard enough to spend time in Sibelius doing. I did not have time to do these. So I hired somebody. I can't remember what he charged me. I think for these little lead sheets, maybe 25 bucks or 50 bucks or something like that. And mm-hmm. they were just the, the melody and the, and the chords and the, and the words. And I would send him, um, you know, the song with the lyrics and, uh, and, and sometimes the MIDI or something like that. Now with piano music, I send him the MIDI of the solo piano thing and he, um, he brings it in and spits it back out and, and sends it to me all nice and pretty. And so I can upload that right there and I pay him a certain amount. But the other answer is to go and search Fiverr or go and search that and find somebody who do that. And if you think $10 or $15 or 25 or 50 is worth having a piece of music that you can maybe sell multiple times for $5 or $10, then to me that that's worth it a little bit. I, this this channel does not seem to my audience does not seem to think that's worth it because I also hire players in Nashville continuously. I'm waiting for a guitar part now, uh, and um, I, I I get stuff from them every day, and I send stuff to Nashville all the time, and that's kind of the secret of my success, especially in sync. But because um, Nashville is becoming very savvy in that world as well now. But well, my my basic my basic elevator pitch is, you know, uh, at least we're talking about dollars and not mm-hmm. cents. You yeah. know, if, if you're putting your music on Spotify and you're putting all this time and effort into making recordings and you're going to get what point zero zero four out of it, you know, <laughs> it, it might take a similar amount of work to get the sheet music prepped. But at least if you make a sale on on Arrange Me or one of these sites, you're going to get, you know, three or four dollars per mm-hmm. sale. And so, you know, uh, it depends obviously on the type of music you're doing, but I, I have to think that if you're somebody that's all in on music, that it's going to be worth it to have at least some part of your pie come from sheet music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. All right. So we're about done here. Let's look ahead real quick to the future of sheet music. I mean, do you see it staying the same? I mean, to be honest, and I said this in my first video on sheet music, it's the oldest form of of music sales, really. I mean, when you think about it, since the invention of the printing press, it became, until the phonograph came along, it was the only way to hear music other than watch someone else play it. You could get the music and play it. And so it's lasted hundreds of years. Do you see it continuing for hundreds of years? I think so, because I think people are always going to want to play the music themselves. And that's what sheet music is. It's the instructions on how to do it yourself. And so that's what I think gives it its, you know, real tangible value. Um, I mean, I do see a lot of parallels between where we are in the sheet music industry and the streaming services. You know, Mm -hmm. you have kind of your main distributors, your main sort of hubs that anybody, you know, anybody can make something in their bedroom and publish it online. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're looking on the digital side of things, I mean, it's just exploding. Yeah. But it's funny, if you look at like the history of the music industry, you're right, sheet music was the first thing. And, and it's the reason why some of the language in our copyright laws are so kind of outdated and funny sounding. You know, the terminology comes from these like printed mm-hmm. sheet music, you know, these engraved uh, copies of music from hundreds <laughs> of years ago, you know, and they just haven't updated the language in the code yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, it's just like everything else. You, you, you have more and more people getting into it. And so becoming a niche player is more and more important. I wouldn't get on there and try to sell every kind of music. I would pick what you're good at. I would pick one thing and I would try to be the king of that thing, you know? So whether or not that's church piano or wedding quartet or solo tuba, you know, but just find Find some marketable piece of it and really go after that thing. You know, for me, it was pop, arra- you know, pop choral arrangements, I, you know, the show choir thing. Uh, you know, now that I've done a thousand of those, I can start branching out into other areas because people know who I am. But when you're first starting out, there's just so much competition. It's just like the sync stuff. I mean, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's the, you know, the music, the sheet music equivalent of a, of a Pond 5, like you said. So. Yeah. But I do think, but I do think, you know, tablets are going to become a bigger deal. I think for most people, you know, on their own, like they're less like, I mean, who has a printer anymore? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think that for individuals. I have one. It's on the floor right over here. It's behind <laughs> me. You can't see it, but I haven't, it's not plugged into anything and hasn't been for years. You know, and I'm, and I'm curious to see, um, 
you know where the where all the metaverse stuff goes because i could i could envision a future where you're like going to some metaverse concert hall to perform the digital sheet music on the fake piano you know stuff like that but i i think at the end of the day like people are always going to want to perform the music themselves and there's really no other way to transfer that information um except through sheet music yeah so um Besides yourself, do you know people who do very well in sheet music and and make more income than you make uh, from making sheet music as 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 composers and uh, arrangers? I do. Have well, you heard I'll, stories? I'll say, well, I'll I'll say this: it's a slow burn. You know, you're not gonna you're not going to you know wake up six runs from now and have thousands and thousands of dollars in, in sheet music sales, but, but, you know, give it five, 10 years. And if you're consistent with it, and if you have something that's marketable and, and you're good at, at reaching your audience, you know, I, I don't see why, why it couldn't be a significant source of income. Which is what we talk about in sync licensing. What sync licensing is very, very long game just because it takes a long time to find the libraries and for people to find stuff in those libraries. And I think, I think, and I think it's also, um, I think you're less likely to have a quote unquote hit when you're selling sheet music, sure. um, especially when you're doing arrangements, you know, like the uh, uh, popular songs have such a limited shelf life in terms of their popularity, you know, and who wants to perform them and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I just think, you know, there's so much competition out there unless you have something just really magical. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that you're going to like find the one hit wonder like you might might could do on the uh, sync side of things, you know, I know I know lots of people that had one track from, you know, 10 years ago that's blown up and it's being used everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I guess the same could still be true. But um, to be I honest, I see the sheet music um, online sales world it, m- much more like the stock music online world. I think if you're looking for passive income through your music, I think sheet music is it, and you want to get paid like next month for it and rather than years down the line i think amassing a good amount of sheet music that is going to be interesting to people who search for it and find it is probably uh, your best bet for passive income and absolutely so i mean i think the best case scenario is you get somebody to pay you to write something that you can then publish i mean Mm -hmm. because then you get your you get your upfront money and you get the back end but i mean if you but that being said you know if you have music that can work in multiple formats if you can license the recording and sell the sheet music and have it on spotify and do all this stuff then then it really um if nothing else just for your online presence because think about this like if you have a piece of music that you've published on you know arrange me jw pepper music notes your website you know there's four different there's four different products now that are going to pop up on Google with your name on it. And then if you have maybe variations of those, if you have alternate versions, whatever, that mul- that number just multiplies. Um, so in terms of getting yourself out there and, and getting yourself, you know, to score higher on all the search engines, like the more stuff you have, the more content you have. And they also find that song on YouTube. They can find it on Spotify. They can find it on Pond5. They can find it on Audio Jungle. That's what I'm, I think if you think about all those things, sheet music can just be an added stream. And I don't know uh, if you if you're making music that applies to sheet music, you know, obviously. But so, um, do you expect it to continue to grow for you as far as online sheet music, as far as a passive income? Do you think that is just going to be something that continues to grow? Do you expect to make more this year than last year? I mean, what? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I'm on. I'm I'm continuing to put new products out, and so it's you know, performances beget more performances, you know, once, once you get the ball moving, it, 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 it grows exponentially because, um, you know, every video that somebody puts out of themselves performing your music, every time they're performing mm. it and people ask them about it and the word of mouth, um, especially if you're sticking within one particular area, you know, if yeah. you're, if in my case, I'm writing choral music, well, these choir directors are all going to each other's concerts, you know, they're Mm -hmm. all watching each other's videos, they're all going to the same conventions, you know, and so there's a community there. And people are interested in what each, you know, what everybody's doing. The other side about this is that sheet music probably uh, informs people that you are a composer 
more than just an artist or just or an arranger, more than just an artist or a, uh, a beat maker or whatever. And I've been invited by this one group who, who bought my $50 uh, arrangement, I mean, not arrangement, uh, composition um, for this unique combo to come out and listen and be part of the initial uh, presentation of it, initial performance of it. It'll be, it won't be the, the world premiere because I, I premiered it at the university uh, on stage already, but it would be another performance of it. And they invited me out as the composer to be there while it's being, uh, you know, premiered with, by them. So that is pretty cool. You don't get that in stock music. You don't get that in Spotify, where unless you, I guess, you're, unless you're invited out as an artist to come play somewhere, but um, it's a pretty cool part, you know. Well, yeah, and and best case scenario, I think, is somebody discovers one of your published pieces and then they come ask you to write a new one, you yes. know, and then you get that commission. Commission. And and you, it, you know, it keeps the ball rolling. Absolutely. Well, man, I have taken up enough of your time today. Thanks so much for all your, your expertise on this. You are the man in this world, and uh, it, it, I really appreciate your podcast. Um, I've seen, by the way, if you want to know more about Arrange Me uh, by Hal Leonard or uh, J.W. Pepper and these places where you can put your sheet music, um, Garrett has already done full podcasts with them. You can find on his podcast. Have you talked with Music Notes yet, or is that... Are you thinking about it, or? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's coming down the line. I don't. I don't know when exactly that'll drop, but yeah. So where does the channel fall in your, like, want to, have to, need to type of thing? Is that a? I mean, I I know where this channel falls for me, and how much I want to try to put out there. How does well, that work for you? Well, it's it's a need to because I have sponsors, and if I don't put out episodes, <laughs> they'll be mad at me. But, <laughs> um, it, it really how it started was people you know, would always ask me these questions mm -hmm. and I didn't have any, any place really to direct them to. So, you know, you end up spending hours on the phone talking about it <laughs> or writing out the big long email. And I just thought, man, if I had some place that mm -hmm. had all the information that I could send people to, um, but you know, but then I was like, so for a while I was like, well, maybe I'll do like YouTube videos or maybe I'll do a blog. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, it's, 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 it's boring, right? No one's going to sit there and read, you know, a hundred thousand words on how to publish sheet music. But then I was like, you know what, a podcast, like someone can just listen to it on the drive, you know, and, and yeah. kind of kind of absorb all that information. You know, I'm better at talking than I am at writing anyway. So <laughs> anyway, so that well, it's a really good <laughs> podcast and you ask the right questions and it's good to hear from these these publishers and the different people you talk to. So super well, appreciate it, man. Super great. And again, you'll find that information below in the description. Garrett, thank you so much. Um, have fun up there in Nashville uh, with all my friends. I'm sure you're working with a lot of them. And uh, thanks again for being being here today. Thank you, really appreciate all you're doing and uh, looking forward to digging through all of your old episodes. I have to get caught up now that I've discovered you. <laughs> all right, awesome, thank you, we'll see you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Just a reminder to check out makemusicincome.com and productionmusicacademy.com. And you can find us both on YouTube as well. We both post regular content there. You can find me at Stevie B Production Music Academy and Eric's channel is called Make Music Income. We'd love to see you there. Feel free to like, share, and subscribe to our content. Also, feel free to join us in the Make Music Income Discord server. Lots of great conversation going on in there, and you can share your work and connect with other like-minded folks. It's a great community. So thanks again, and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.